Hi, welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast where we discuss various games produced by the Blizzard Entertainment Industry, you know, the company, the, the masterwork, the, the people who go to hell fast. It's just a rich tapestry of amazingness. Um, I, I really, I, I'm just going to tremendously straight up go straight to Anne. Anne, tell that story. Which story? The Helcular story. Just go. Oh, okay. So Helcular. Helcular, the rod of Helcular, or Helcular's. I think it was Helcular's rod. Anyway, so back in Vanilla, right? Um, in what is that zone called? The one so, with South Shore and Terran Mill, Hillsbred Foothills. Okay, yes. there used to be a quest that you could do as Horde that you wanted to do as soon as you could do it because it was a great way to harass the Alliance in South Shore for hours and hours and hours. You'd go put this rod together, and then you'd go to South Shore's graveyard and you'd summon Helcular and. In the earliest days in Vanilla, it would summon this elite dude who had more health than any guard in South Shore and more hit power than any guard in South Shore. He was, he was, not only would he melee everything to death, he would cast Shadow Bolts, too. Oh, and he was terrible. So any low-level players that were in South Shore would just, like, <laughs> die immediately. It was fantastic um, and terrible obviously, for the Alliance people that were playing through the zone. So, yeah, he got nerfed. We were just talking about that. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that one up because it, this is a memory from the, you know, the distant past of World of Warcraft. I guess today was the 10th anniversary of the Leroy Jenkins video. Which, Oh, if you my gosh. It, really? Yeah. Man. If, if you haven't seen that video, well, congratulations on having spent your life better Avoiding than myself. In, in a cave. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I think it's... On the South Shore topic, it's worth noting that Helcular wasn't the only hurdle the Alliance had to deal with in their town. There was also the randomly spawning thieves that were higher level than everybody questing in that zone. So you'd be dealing with Helcular in the graveyard, and then some thieves would spawn in town and assassinate you. It was not a good time. South Shore was terrible. I remember leveling through it on my Druid and going, wow, I never want to come here again, ever. By the way, that was Alex Zebart, who's the other person on the show this week. Which was kind of just jumping into stuff this yeah, week. Yeah, Hecular is more important than I am. The other thing about South Shore that used to annoy me was that uh, South Shore and Terran Mill are basically where PvP and, and WoW got started. Uh, there there, were, two, there were two hot, yeah, two hot spots, really, for WoW PvP. There was the South Shore Terran Mill fighting, and there was the, the Alliance raids on the crossroads. Or as I like to call them... Oh, my entire guild is going to the crossroads. I'd better hop on my horde alt so I can attack them, uh, because that's what I did. I, I did not like the crossroads attacking. It was silly, um, especially for alliance guilds, because it was like what would end up happening was the entire alliance raiding guild would show up in South Shore, it would show up in uh, crossroads, and just start pounding on like level level fifty cr- quest they givers. Kill all the quest givers, yeah. and if you happen to be leveling through the barrens, you had to go find something else to do for several hours until yeah. they got bored and left. Because the way that the crossroads was basically the entire barrens was designed. I don't have to, I don't want to be mean, but I'll just say it. It was designed so that if the crossroads wasn't accessible, nothing was accessible. Pretty much. If if you didn't if your quest didn't start in the crossroads, it finished in the crossroads. It, so, it was all there. Yeah. So if, <laughs> when you had an entire alliance raid guild who basically, you know, hey, we just killed Nefarian for server first. Let's go to the crossroads. People would do this. People seriously would do this. This is what they thought was a good use of their time. Well, so, the reason now there was reasoning behind it, though, and I mean, I understood the reasoning at the time, even though I was trying to level through the area on a horde alt. And the reason was 
it was right at Orgrimmar's back door. So the Horde would come out, theoretically, to fight back. Except and, often and, they didn't because it was like, yeah, ah, it's often they didn't because they just didn't really care. What I loved... See, um, the problem is the Horde was too busy killing all of the Night Elf NPCs in Astronar to defend the Crossroads. We never really did Astronar. I mean, we did it every now and again. On my but, server, there were never NPCs alive in Astronar. Really? Yeah. Well, Night Elf see, zones, I, destroyed. Part of me wants to go back in time and actually, like, suggest that to somebody. Because <laughs> um, we I never remember. really did that on my server. It, it The way it worked on my server was there was Crossroads. There was Terran Mill versus South Shore. That one was really, really popular. Terran Mill versus... That was where it was at. But occasionally, you would get a big horde group that would go to Westfall and attack Sentinel Hill repeatedly until the Alliance came out of South... Or, or out of Stormwind to retaliate from there. Um, so you I was this. on... Yeah, the servers I was on basically back in Vanilla were Norganon and as and as Jolnarab. But I was on as Jolnarab first... And then that split off to Norganon. They they started Norganon and said, "Hey, if you're on Asjul Nereb or some other server that I forget, you can go to Norganon." Um, on Asjul Nereb, there was only one Horde guild of any significant power, uh, and it was called Sylvan Rangers. It used to be an EverQuest guild, and they moved over wholesale. Oh, and they were they were a big deal, and they were the biggest Horde guild. I was in a guild called First Sworn and then Way of the Warrior. Actually, it was Way of the Warrior, then Sworn, then Way of the Warrior again. That guild was like the biggest one. And there were a couple other big alliance ones, but that guild was the biggest alliance one. So we would basically – the thing that happened was they would attack – like they'd go to South Shore. They'd go to Tyron Mill and then come down and attack South Shore. Instead of going to fight them, we would use that to go directly attack Orgrimmar. <laughs> because we knew Orgrimmar was now defenseless and, and could be destroyed. They were all, they were all on yeah. the other continent. Yeah. yeah, we knew where they were. And when we do that, instead of coming to Orgrimmar to fight us, they would go to Stormwind yeah. or Jarnassus. And it so was like it was basically just chasing each other yeah. around the world. Except we never no. It was it was oh they're over Running there away from each other. Yes, yes. yes. they're over else. there. We'll go over here and fight. Yeah. It was like we were trying to lure each other out through complicated maneuvering of, like, what town do they care about? They don't seem to care about Orgrimmar. Uh, we did find out, however, one place that they would defend, and that right. was Taran Mill. Yeah. Because Taran oh, yeah. Mill had an elevator. So Taran they could. Mill. They, they, oh, they could, uh, not Taran Thunder Mill, Bluff. Thunder, Thunder Bluff, Bluff, sorry. Yeah, yeah Thunder Bluff. Because oh, Thunder Bluff had the Bluff elevator, so they could wait till we came up, and then we and then just they... would fight. Like, we fought, like, right on the ramp, the elevator goes off. So that's what, like both guilds would just be standing there. My frame rate was worse there than it was in Tempest Keep. My favorite like part of fighting in Thunder Bluff because we used to do this all the time. We had the um, is it the shaman one that blows you back or yeah. was it? Yeah, that was, okay. That was BC that they introduced that. Yeah, you stand up at the top of the rise and you wait for the elevator to come up and you just hit them with that and then it's like pew right off the elevator. It was great. <laughs> the weird yeah, thing about that. Server- was- the Horde players who wanted to grief Alliance players went to Night Elf Zones. The Alliance players who wanted to grief Horde players went to Crossroads. The people who actually wanted to PvP went to Hills, Bradford Hills. Yeah. Yeah, because that's where it was. And this is, you remember, some of this was before they even put in, like, actual PvP content. Like, yeah. I remember yeah. when they put in, like, you know, Battlegrounds. Battlegrounds I were, like, a when they put in the honor system. There the was honor a big system contest. Hills, Brad. You had to whoever attacked the wrong NPCs who do were not kill 
The mushroom vendor. Everybody would get mad. There's like one or two NPCs. Aggro them, everything's ruined. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. I remember actually getting yelled at in Orgrimmar because I killed like some meat vendor or something. Yep. He, he was and a dishonorable kid. Those NPCs would spawn guards forever. Oh, by the yeah. mushroom vendor. He was terrible for it. We, we used to, on my horde character, we used to try and lure people in the direction of the mushroom to get them to accidentally hit him because we knew what would happen if they did. <laughs> he was part of our strat. It was great. <laughs> I just remember the, the worst part about the, the Taran Mill Sasha fighting, and then we can actually move on to doing some emails and stuff. But for me, the worst part was that. I, back then, warriors had an ability that they still have called Intimidating Shout. That would, it, but back then it didn't have a limit. It would fear everybody. Yeah, it would fear everybody. It didn't have no eight character limit. It just feared everybody in range. Yep. And you basically ended up having lines would form up, and each group would try to get their warriors to charge into the other group and fear them before the other group could. And what you end up doing is just seeing every like everybody getting scattered, just it continuous was, messes. Was- Kind of part of the reason why Shadow Priests were so ridiculously OP back then, too. Because you could just run in, fear bomb, and then dot the heck out of everything and wait for it to die. <laughs> and rack up the honor kills while you were at it. It was I fantastic. I think I've forgotten why we're talking about this. I don't know. We just got on the topic. What does this have to do with anything? It's I don't know. Why are we living in 2005? We, 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 we times, mentioned Leroy, times were the Leroy good Jenkins then. thing. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Time. We were talking about Leroy. But yeah, we should move on to some emails. Uh, as always, you know, here at the Blizzard Watch podcast, we do like getting your emails, and uh, you can send them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com, and we'll be more than happy to use them in the show. And there's other ways to get stuff to us too. Um, I believe you can comment on our Patreon page. Is that correct, Alex? Yeah, you can either leave a message on our Patreon if you're a supporter, or you can just send me a message directly on Patreon. Um, it's Patreon.com/slash/BlizzardWatch. If you already support us, thank you. If you don't, please consider it. Okay. So our first email is from, I want to say, Iskalor. No, no, sorry, I went down too far. This one is, I believe, Casium. Is that what correct, you guys? Casium. Yes, Casium. Um, just to be contrary, I'm going to say it's Sashim. Okay. I want to say Casium because it reminds me of Casey Casum. Okay. Well, you two can fight later. Okay. Uh, based on the pre-show, that won't be hard. Uh, <laughs> could Anne please go into a bit more detail on how she gets 3k gold from Garrison missions in a day? Despite having 25 full-leveled active followers, 90% of the missions I'm getting are for follower XP. I'm extremely lucky if I get a 1k out of a day's missions, and that's with treasure hunters. What's the secret to getting gold missions? I have a level 3 in. Okay. It's not just the gold missions, although that is part of it. You need the gold mission, or you need your treasure hunters so that you double up or triple up on gold if you can. And you also need a salvage yard. Your salvage yard is going to be your best friend, and your salvage yard is what's going to make getting all those experience missions worth it. Because each time they return, if they succeed in the mission, you'll get a box. And in the box is either upgrade stuff for your followers or green items or blue items, or purple items, or random trash. The random trash vendors for quite a bit of gold. The green items vendor for quite a bit of gold, typically. And if you're really lucky, and you keep your eye out, this is, this is what I recommend if you do the salvage yard. Try on every piece of gear, like look at it in the dressing room on your character. If it looks like something that somebody would use for transmog, throw it on the auction house. Um, I've made... 
a lot of money, <laughs> a lot of gold selling things that just looked cool for transmog. They they yeah, auctioned I mean, like within a day or two, and stuff even like the ornate mail set, yeah, that's on the low end for transmog gear, and it's going to go for five hundred to a thousand gold per piece, including like bracers. Especially if you're on an RP server, and I happen to be on an RP server, so this kind of stuff it goes for stupid, crazy amounts of gold. However, <laughs> even if you don't go through the rigmarole of actually transmogging stuff on the auction house. The sheer amount of stuff that you get from crates and the vendoring that you're doing is easily going to give you like another six to seven hundred gold. Um, yeah, I mean, if one of those crates gives you like a level ninety something two handed weapon, that's forty to fifty gold extra just from a quest right. or from a mission. Right, and then on top of that, you're also getting other like crafting materials and stuff like that. Sometimes there will be herbs. Sometimes there will be ore in there sometimes there will be fur in there all of that stuff you can use your vendor in your garrison to trade in for primal spirits use the primal spirits to go buy savage blood or any of the you know materials that you can use to make other stuff to sell on the auction house or just sell on the auction house by themselves um i don't know how everybody else's savage blood market is but ours is good the the raw gold missions are also kind of it depends on well, missions, I, th- I think most, if not all missions, I could be wrong. I think they're on, like, reset timers. So when the yeah. timer is up, then you can get it again. Right. So depending on how your timer's lined up, you might say Monday get seven or eight gold missions. But then Tuesday, you're only going to get one or two. So right. and day having, to day isn't a good measure, but weekly is pretty good. Having the level three in is a good start. The other thing is... You want to make sure that you're turning around your followers more than once a day. I usually pop on like once in the morning, once in the afternoon, once in the evening, and just swap everybody out real quick and send them on another set of missions. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hit almost hit 300k gold last week, and I bought enough WoW tokens to get me set through October, and I've made about a quarter of that back already since then. And I mean, I just bought them like four or five days ago it's ridiculous so if you don't have a salvage yard get a salvage yard it's like the best money maker i swear okay that pretty much answers your question so i think we'll move on to the next one uh this one is from icalor i'm gonna say icalor could be calor but i'm gonna go with icalor uh defias brotherhood of you a lot of people are saying that herbalism and mining have been gutted in Warlords of Draenor. I've been an alchemist and herbalist for a couple of expansions now, and I'm wondering if I should drop herbalism in favor of something that can craft rather than gather. This decision hinges on whether they'll restore gathering in the next expansion. In sum, do you think they will restore gathering to its old state in the next expansion, or is it gone for good? Thanks. Don't drop it. Don't drop it. They've already <laughs> added something back to gathering skills in patch 6.2, which is Felblight, and you need Felblight to craft the... Uh, higher eye-level crafted items in patch 6.2. So already yeah. they've added something back in that makes it worthwhile. Yeah. That's pretty much Otherwise, answering though, your questions. Uh, uh, for, for the ore and herbs, I agree that they were kind of gutted in Warlords. Um, you didn't need gathering skills to get all of the materials you needed to craft anything. So um, Felblight kind of seems like this last-ditch effort to make them relevant again in this expansion, and I think they'll probably revert back to old methods in the next expansion. I hope they do, because jewel crafting is really weird right now. I use a daily cooldown to make an item that I don't actually use when I'm cutting gems, really. I think there's like 
Yeah, I think it, it's ridiculous. It, it's really it's, weird. It's safe to say that profession stuff kind of got, got extremely warped. strange in this expansion. And it's another example of where I think – I don't want to go into a rant about it yet, but I think it's one of the situations where stuff that worked really well, 90 to 100, did not work at 100. Yeah. And I think, you know, like having the ability to craft items that were usable at level 90 and they were good items that we would use all the way to like pass 100 – that's cool in theory, but it, it didn't end up working in terms of like you know like using blacksmithing as an example. I think I think what's weird to me is like you make these little like engineering right. You make these little gear things, and then you use the gear things to craft different stuff, right? Mm-hmm. With jewel crafting, they changed it so when you cut your initial gems, you aren't using the item that you get from the work or like it's just really weird how jewel crafting is set up right now and i'm hoping you know, i never thought changes... about jewel crafting yeah don't you I... need like a hundred gems to make a ring um something like that yeah it's like a ridiculous number i i don't even bother with that now because they aren't i mean i get better from lfr who cares <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the crafting stuff is strange because it seems to me like it's more useful for gearing alts, like twinking out alts. Or if you're you not going to raid at all. Yeah, because you can equip that stuff at level 91, but you're leveling your first character. You're probably not going to be able to craft any of those yourself before level 100. Absolutely not. Because yeah, you hit level you 100 alt, so fast, sure. you know. Yeah. It's, for, it's good for leveling alts or like in the case of one character, like it wasn't alt, but it was on a different server. It was good because I was leveling up a second character on a different server, and it was on the auction house ready to go. So yeah. I just picked it up, you know, and it was just, I don't know. It felt really strange. I didn't like how it worked, but. It was weird. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one is from Zach from Hellfire EU. Um, Greetings, watchers. Longtime listeners, but first time asker. Your competition idea from the Warcraft messenger bags was really fun. Living in the UK, I'm ineligible, though my idea was that an escaped Kul'Tera Deathweaver handed away a single shard of Frostmourne to stop Sylvanas from reforging it and claiming its power. Five minutes after posting, someone replied saying that shards of Frostmourne cannot be touched, so my idea would be impossible. I had thought that the shards must have been able to be touched to be taken, but I want to ask our resident lore masters, as it's possible it could have been the detail I've missed. My question then is this. Can the shards of Frostmourne be picked up? And if so, who do you think has them now? Thanks so much for everything you do. You all do. You're all awesome, and thanks for continuing to do what you do with Blizzard Watch. I hope you're all having a good day. Thanks again, Zach from Hellfire EU. So first up will be Anne talking. Um, Shards of Frostmourne, where they are now, I want to say somebody asked in an Ask a C-Dev or at one of the lore panels at BlizzCon, and they didn't have a definitive answer for that. They just said somewhere safe. Yeah, Blizzard in 2001. Yeah, in 2001 they answered it at uh, BlizzCon, and they said it. You know, they don't know where they are. It's yep. like somewhere safe. Yep, that's it. That's all we know. Um, as far as being able to touch the shards of Frostborn, um, I don't. I, pick they it up have in a to pick them up. Yeah, pick them up in a handkerchief or something. I guess you would probably want to want to touch it directly. Here's the exact response from Blizzard to BlizzCon 2001. Okay. It was said that the shards of Frostmourne were taken by someone smart and put somewhere safe, at least until someone gets it in their head to try and reforge it. And that yeah. was from, you know... BlizzCon 2001? 
2011. 2011, okay. okay. I was going to say, it wouldn't be 2001. That was before Sorry. World of Warcraft. Sorry. Having yet another one of those moments where I switch words around. 2011 yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. But yeah, it was at that panel, and that's what they said. So someone could touch it, apparently, because someone took them. As to who that was and Maybe what they, they did with it. wrapped it in a blanket or something. Maybe Tyrion took it. So Maybe they were already dead, helm. so it couldn't do anything to them. You know? I, don't, I don't know. Good question. Seriously. I like the idea of Coltera handing away the shard. That's pretty funny. Yeah, as far as you know, the shards of Frostmourne, I mean, it's one of those situations where it'll come up if it ever becomes relevant. Until then, they just don't really want to talk about it. Because they haven't come up with a real... I, um, let's be honest. They haven't really come up with an answer to it yet. You know, no one was really thinking about it. They were just, you know, ending the expansion. Let's get out of here. Deathwing's back. We've got to deal with that now, so... Ultimately, it, it comes down to whenever they think of a story for it, that's when we'll find out. I want to point out that in, in Twitch chat, Shingara typoed Bolvar is Bolzar, and I really like that name. <laughs> Bolzar. That's all. We can move on. Okay. I want him to be a barbarian. Bolzar the barbarian. Anyway, sorry. No, I'm just thinking of Bolzar and the Hill People. Bolzar and the <laughs> Hill People. What's that awful movie with Sean Connery where he's wearing like leather chaps? Zardoz. That's Zardoz. And okay. it's not awful, it's magnificent. Zardoz that's, is a that's magnificent disaster. That is just just I can, I, can I say the word from that? On the show, can, can I don't think I don't think we can. Okay, can we say the word that is like if you took the word pen and the word is and put them together? Can I say that, Adam? Pen, fi- pen fifteen. Okay, there's a quote from that movie that I've always loved, and it's when the giant head shows up. If there's any children listening, stop. It disgorges a bunch of guns all over the primitives and says, "The gun is good, the penis is evil." So yeah, that's that's the message of Zardoz in a nutshell. That's that's what Sean Connery and his diaper wanted you to know. I could have gone forever without hearing that. Thanks. No, you could not have. Yeah, I could have. Oh no, the moment you <laughs> met me, the chances are zero that you were going to go forever without hearing that. Next Wait, to- question. <laughs> the next question. Dear Blizzard Watch, can you tell me the line Sean Connery said in Zardoz? <laughs> this isn't a real question. I know. All right, the next question is from Tiergard on Yazera. Hello, I was taking a look at the PTR, and I noticed there doesn't seem to be any new quest chains, just the Garrison campaign. I was wondering if 6.2 releases will, will know new quest line or quest hubs. Do any of you think it'll be a blow against 6.2? Uh, thanks for the podcast. I've been listening since early days, and I hope to hear many more. Uh, Tiergard. I, I think they've pretty much said straight up that they're going to be putting in like a whole hub for stuff to do. Um, in 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 Tanan. am I am I insane? Like, did I mistake that? They ha- they haven't been very clear on what Chanan is supposed to be. Um, I've been hearing lately that it's supposed to be a lot more like Timeless Isle kind of objectives. But honestly, unless they've put something else there on the PTR in the last few days, Chanan is a wasteland of content. <laughs> There's nothing there yet. It's the PTR, so there will be. But right now, we have no idea. They haven't said a thing. Yeah, this has been like a PTR where stuff is getting taking a very long time to get on the PTR. They put the dun- they put the raid in, and that's basically it. Have they even put time walking in yet? Yes, uh, every dungeon is available for time walking as a test bed. 
Ah. Actually, funny story. The first day that BTR went up and we discovered time walking, like the very first day, I was like, okay, I have to queue for this and see what happens. And I queued up, and after 30 minutes, I get into Halls of Stone. Everybody goes, screw this, and drops group, leaving me there alone. <laughs> so it was just like Halls of Stone used to be. It was Halls of Stone. It, <laughs> it was time walking. It was a genuine experience. This is exactly what this was like. Thank you, Blizzard. And then it was broken, so when I left group, I was permanently de-leveled to Halls of Stone level and could no longer kill mobs into oh, non-jungle. Wow. Yikes. Oh, dear. It was pretty great. Um, I had to throw that character away because I was getting one shot by everything. They didn't fix it? I mean, not at the time, so the character was useless for the rest of that PTR build. So I just had to copy over a new character. Oh, well, it's PTR. You can do that at least. But, man, there's a bug you want reporting. Please report that bug. You don't want that one when you go live. But, yeah, right now we don't... We don't really know is the only answer we can give you. Uh, we think they'll probably put stuff in, but... I went to Chanan very briefly, and I haven't gotten very far with it, but there was a handful of quests when I got there um, that had you go, you know, do this, go do this other thing, go check this other thing out. Okay, now run here and establish a base. And that's yeah, you establish the base and then it stops. Yeah, that's as far as I got. But, I mean, it was a handful of quests, so... That was okay, I guess. Yeah, I, we like to believe there will be more content and more questing. Um, uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we really, really like to believe that. It's um, strange that they haven't even mentioned like what kind of content is going to be there. I don't know. I, I'm going to say it again. This feels like the least ready for the PTR PTR I've ever seen. And I'm not getting I'm not getting the sense that this patch is going to drop like in two months at all. Uh, I'm I'm definitely like feeling weird about this patch and this PTR. Like it yeah, feels. I mean, maybe the PTR builds will pick up and they'll start rapidly adding things. And if that's yeah. the case, then maybe we'll get it in July. I don't know. It's May. Yeah. It's May, and you know, Tanan feels like half done. Um, I just I don't know. I, I mean, you know, it could be wrong. It could come in July. I just feel more like August at this point. August seems more realistic to me. But, you know, we'll we'll see what happens, what will develop. Yeah, we'll see. Wow, we all sound peppy. Um, okay, <laughs> let's move on to the next email. This one is from Alessander, who writes us quite often. Hello again. How do the trolls make a Loa or set up a Loa to worship slash draw power from? Did Darkspear have one, or is Vol'jin free to pick one? I would think he would want, and uh, he would want to, and I would think he is talking to the ghost of his father for advice as well. If Aloha has to be nearby, I'm not sure what he has to choose from. Raptors, lions, the dead dragon, and Ashara. Uh, summoning his own elemental, as happened to Ragnaros and Molten Core, might work, or seriously not, and make Ragefire Chasm a whole lot more interesting. There used to be something out there in the Bay of Ashara, but I don't remember what. Uh, Alessander. I don't think the trolls make Loa. They don't make Loa. The Loa are basically spirits powerful powerful spirits that have been around before even the titans showed up um they've been equated to the ancients well they've been equated to the ancients that that the uh that the night elves talk to who also predate the titans and everything um i want to say which story was that it was either the short story 
it was either Storm Rage or it was um, Dawn of the Aspects, one or the other. I think it was Storm Rage, maybe, where they were talking about uh, they were talking about the ancients, and they said that some things were Titan created, and some things the world seemed to create itself, and the ancients fell under that whole thing that the world seems to have created itself. They're just like these spirits and aspects of various things. Um, and the Titans made robots. The world made giant pigs. The world made giant pigs. No, um, so basically there's a, a, like an unknown number of Loa. There's a Loa for pretty much everything. There's a spirit for pretty much everything. But most of them are really kind of weak. They aren't. I mean, they aren't something that you're going to go worship or draw a lot of power from. The really powerful ones are the ones that the trolls tend to gravitate towards and pull power from or worship or that kind of thing. So, the leader story that they did a while back, Vulgin the Judgment, that talks about the Loa too? Um, it talks and about the Loa a little bit, yeah. There's a little bit in there about it. And specifically how they kind of like, when, when Vulgin and Zalazane run into one, they get kind of a vision of the future, but they interpret it differently. Yeah. That's kind of, the, the Loa aren't really... They're not straightforward. They're not like, you know, the kind of guys who just, you know, hey, here's a deal. They, they tend to mess with you. They're sneaky. Yeah. Um, the Darkspear do have a few Loa, but not that many. And it's because the Darkspear were part of the whole Gurubashi Empire. And then they split away while well, they were kind of forced out, kicked out. Um, Wamsamdi, obviously, is one of them. And that's the Loa that you talked to when you went ahead and did the whole Dark Spear go attack the Dark Spear Isles, free the Echo Isles, that kind of thing, back in was that before Cataclysm? That uh, I think it? I think it led right into Cataclysm, didn't it? Yeah, it was it was like that lead into Cataclysm. They went and retook the Echo Isles. Um, the other one that's been referred to is Shango, but whether or not that's actually a real Loa or not is kind of up in the air. It appeared in the Warcraft RPG books. It didn't actually appear in game anywhere. So that's not really canon. Oh, yes, um, but here's a canon one from game. Gonk. Gonk, yes. Gonk the Hunter. Gonk the Hunter, the Raptor. <laughs> poor, poor Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Let's name our lore deities after elitist jerks. Well, best part not- is that isn't Note, he... I'm saying somebody who posted two elitist jerks, not somebody who is in real life an elitist jerk. They may or may not More be. Importantly, didn't the actual Gonk hate druids? Yes. Yes. That's the best <laughs> part, is that Gonk was the one that led the trolls into being druids. And yeah, okay, so it was like an inside joke, tongue-in-cheek thing. But um, each each group kind of has their own section of Loas that they that they look at and revere and draw power from. The Darkspear don't really have anything like that. I don't know if they really need it. I don't know if Vulgin really needs it. Um, they've been doing okay on their own, really, for the most part. I've been corrected in chat that Gonk was from Goon Squad, not Elitist Jerks. Oh, okay. He he was a hunter, and he hated Druids. While Pedia disagrees with that, it says uh, Elitist Jerks and a for- frequent poster on the EJ forums. Well, perhaps so, it was in someone, Squad and... Someone go correct uh, Wowpedia. Well, no, it can be edited by anyone. both. I don't know. I'm just saying... are not mutually exclusive. I'm just saying somebody can... If somebody knows differently, they can go to Wowpedia and they can correct it because anyone can edit it. Okay, so if you post on the Elitist Jerks, you're not necessarily a member of the Elitist Jerks Guild. You yes. can be a member of the Goon Squad, but not necessarily a poster on something awful where the goons come from. 
Make sense? Now that we've established this, can we go back to the question? <laughs> I think we pretty much answered the question, didn't we? I think we did, yeah. I think we did. <laughs> yeah. In other words, the lower are kind of vague. They can be whatever they need to be for the story. Essentially, they don't, they're not well-defined, and many of them aren't really powerful enough to worship as such anyway. So, yeah. that's that, that, But he, they don't get made. You don't just like go out in the hills and go, okay, I'm building me a Loa. First, I need some mud. You know, the yep. Loa aren't that kind of thing. And now for the question that Anne threatened to rant for ten minutes on. Yeah. I don't know if Alex will rant any more or less, but we'll, we'll find out. This one is from Dragon from Scenarian Circle US. Uh, so... You know, Alex is on that server. Yes. So you should say hi to your server. Hi, my server that I would never see because I live in my garrison. <laughs> well, that's another thing to come about. He's a hermit. He's a garrison hermit. Gang <laughs> <laughs> horde, get off my lawn. Uh, always really enjoy listening to your podcast for the great insights into the characters, storylines, and dare I say it, lore of Warcraft. On that theme, I wanted to ask you about the main concern that myself and seemingly millions of WoW players are currently experiencing. After a brilliant and fulfilling leveling experience from 90 to 100 in Warlords, the expansion falls flat at level 100. I've read and heard a lot of people complaining about lack of or stale content, but for me personally, this hits hardest with the lack of storytelling after level cap. I cannot think of a single quest or thread that has felt immersive or flowing, just as empty feeling as I click on menus and fill up blue bars. I'm aware that somewhere in the world the story is unfolding, but I do not feel part of it. Anyway, would love your take on this and whether you think Blizzard might try to address this or if this is just the direction they wanted to take the game and we need to stop expecting so much. Thanks so much, Dragon, Scenario Circle US. So, um, I'm going to flip a coin here. Call it. Heads? Well, that means Anne wins. Okay. You go go first, Anne. Did you literally just flip a coin? Yes, I literally just flipped a coin. Okay, that's funny. (laughs) This is actually... um Something I'm going to talk about, not in this week's Know Your Lore, but next week's, because this is actually something that's been bothering me for a while now, and I've been trying to pinpoint what happened here. And I still don't have an answer, but I do feel like something happened. Um, This wasn't like a... uh, I, I feel like something had to have happened, because the thing is, ever since day one, when I first started playing World of Warcraft... I felt like I was part of the story. You know what? Um, like, I was learning to be a hero in Vanilla, and then in Burning Crusade, it was me being a hero and going out in Outland and actually, like, helping out take down Illidan and doing all this other stuff. And then Wrath of the Lich King, it was me being, like, this really well-known hero that got to go to, to Northrin and participate in this huge campaign against this dude who was, like the bad guy to end all bad guys in Warcraft 3, right? And -hmm. Cataclysm, it was more heroics, although it kind of faltered a little bit there, story-wise, because we kind of fell out of the story. Thrall was the hero. Yeah, we fell out of the story a little bit. I mean, he couldn't, I don't think he could have done anything that he did if we hadn't been there to set it all up for him, but it felt kind of like almost anticlimactic because he had the big win, not necessarily us. You know what I mean? And I think that kind of started with the end of Wrath of the Lich King when Tyrion Fordrinks did the uh, <laughs> kill stealing. <laughs> His ice cube act. Well, you know what? Yeah. If he hadn't bust out of the ice cube, we would have been um, screwed. Just put it lightly. <laughs> so I'm or they could have just not written it that way. Yeah, they could have, but 
but it's okay. It's okay. I understood what they were going for with that, and I was I was okay with it. Cataclysm, not as much. We get to Missa Pandaria, and Missa Pandaria took a really interesting turn where we were the active hero, but at the same time, we were almost kind of the active villains, too, because we went to this new land and kind of systematically destroyed it. And I never, um, as an alliance player, I never felt like a villain. Okay, I'll say that. I know but, playing but alliance side is a lot yeah. different because you don't you don't feel it feels like circumstances happen to line up in such a way that you were in that bad spot, but you weren't directly responsible for that bad spot per se. Yeah, I mean the whole alliance side of it, you end up on Pandaria because the horde went to shipwreck an alliance horde. ship that had Anduin on it. Let me continue. Okay, horde side. It felt very much like you just showed up and decided to blow things up, and it didn't feel good. It, it didn't feel good at all. And you spent the rest of the expansion trying to make up for that experience. Alliance, it, it felt different. It was like you were trying to help out people who had been beset upon, you know, without necessarily being responsible for it. But then there was like this back-end story going on, particularly on the Horde side, where there was all this stuff going around on with Garrosh, and you were kind of witnessing it, and you were part of it, and you were uncomfortable that you were a part of that. Particularly for Horde players, you were really uncomfortable with the direction it was going and what it was leading to. With the Alliance side, it... The involvement wasn't quite there where it needed to be, but you still felt like you were part of something. You still felt like you were part of the story. Warlords of Draenor is the first time playing World of Warcraft where the story has felt like a reactive... It's like we're watching this story. We're not actually in the story. We're not characters in the story. We're not characters participating in the story. We're just kind of watching it happen around us. And I I don't... like it. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting because there's kind of a feeling almost like with Warlords, because they had all the Warlords, like, you know, for at, at start, it was like there was too many and it, the focus was too heavily on them. Like, if the focus had just been on the world of Draenor being a, a place to go to and adventure on and maybe just like one or two bad guys to focus on and then the other Iron Horde, of course, but because we had all these warlords all had to, had to have story beats. They all had to pop up in raids. They all had to have focus. And it just kind of feels like you're getting shoved aside. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, yeah. it's yeah. I mean, story. My feelings are, like, based on the feelings that gave me, it feels like they thought this expansion would be a really cool idea, but when it came time to do it, they really didn't want to write that overarching plot about the warlords. The stuff that is in the questing zones that doesn't really relate to the warlords directly. That's fantastic. But when the warlords get pulled back in or the iron horde gets pulled back in, it's dull. There's nothing there. Like, uh, let me, I Spires see. of Iraq in particular. Spires yeah. of Iraq, I loved it. I loved the quest of the Erko and all of that. And then it culminates in an encounter with Karkaf. And that's stupid. <laughs> like, it was the most was boring part of that weird. whole storyline. It's it not was- even a culmination, though. Because he's like, no. he's just a road bump on your way to the end fight with, uh, the you know, at the, uh, the oh, God, I can't remember, Skyreach? Yeah, the, the, the end yeah. fight in Skyreach. Kargath is just a road bump who explains why you can't use the full power of the, you know, of Terok against them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. it's like, okay, here's Arakoa, Arakoa, suddenly Kargath, you lose, back to the Arakoa. It's like, well, 
I didn't see any mention of Kargath this whole time. Why am I fighting him? See, while I, I he's just I, here because they have to put him here. Well, you you did fight some. You fought the Shattered Hand throughout that zone. You fought them several times, but no, yeah, they're they're not directly meant. They're there. They exist, but the quests don't really talk about them. This is why I keep saying though that it feels like something happened because we know they're capable of putting out good story. They've done it for how many years now? They've put out story where it's like you feel involved, you feel important, you feel like you're a part of it. And when they introduced Warlords of Draenor, they were really pumped about this idea of introducing all of these old characters and bringing them back and breathing new life into them. But what we got there's no life in these characters. There's, it feels like they didn't we appear actually want to for five that minutes. We appear for five minutes. We cackle maniacally, and then you kill us, and that's the extent of it. Like there's no importance to them at all. And for all they were hyped up, and for all they were talked about, they're useless. They're really useless. And meanwhile, you've got this whole thing going on with Cadgar and Goldan, where they're going back and forth, and they're supposed to be having this exciting thing going on. But you're just a spectator. You're not a part of it. You, you're like the errand fetch boy for, Car- for uh, excuse me, for Cadgar. You go get him pieces of things, take them to him. He says, ah, oh, yes, this is very important. Thank you. Here's why this is important. But even then, he doesn't really explain why it's important. He just gives you some kind of mysterious thing. And then he says, okay, I'm going to go find Gul'dan now. And you get to guess what? Stand back and watch him do it. There is no interaction. And that's what's making me so angry right now, particularly at high level and particularly with what we're seeing out of 6.2 so far, is that I have yet to, at level 100, feel it all invested or care about what's going on. Like, you could send me back home to Azeroth right now, and I really wouldn't give to anything about it. I think Alex should say what you had to say there, because that was interesting, too. Uh, it just... It genuinely feels like they never wanted to tell this Iron Horde story in the first place. They're, they tell great stories about everything else going on in Draenor. Like, Yorel is awesome. Like, everybody loves Yorel. And Spires of Iraq is great, and all of these storylines are great, but when it pulls back to the Iron Horde, the story isn't there. Like, it's like artificial hype about these guys. Like, this maybe the two people in the company. Like, maybe two guys in the company were like, this is a great idea. But then they give it to the guys who make the quest, and the guys who make the quest are like, this is stupid, we're going to do our own thing. And they did their own thing, and it's better than anything related to the Warlords. See, here's the, here's the reason why I keep saying something happened, though. Because it feels like it was supposed to be something else. And then somewhere along the way, it got changed. And I don't know who decided to change it, why they decided to change it. If it was because of deadlines, if it was because they needed to get stuff out, if it was because people were saying oh, hey, not more orcs again, and they decided to go ahead and cull that back a little and put something else in. But whatever it was they had to do, they had to do it, and they failed miserably. It's terrible. The story is terrible. And this is me, like the lore person who is absolutely 100% gung-ho about the story in World of Warcraft. I'm disappointed. (laughs) And I try to find the good side in everything. And I can't. I cannot realistically find the good side to this. Well, I mean, to to be fair, I'm gonna. I, I always end up doing this. I end up going the other side on things. But go uh, ahead. 
I will say this much. I really think having le- now leveled both Horde and Alliance, the Alliance leveling is better than Horde. It's when it when it differs, which it doesn't differ that much. There's basically only differs in one zone. But where it differs, the Alliance is superior. Shadowmoon Valley is much better than Frostfire. Uh, not that Frostfire is bad, but Frostfire very much is the adventures of Thrall's crazy uncle <laughs> that you'd never heard of. And, yeah. and I actually came to like him. I did. And he then starts he's, being interesting. And then now he's gone. <laughs> yeah, then, then, quite frankly, I'd have been much happier with the Frostfire experience as at the end, Duraton bit it. Oh. And we and we had we had Gnar oh. having to take over. That and would Gnar- be beautiful, and yeah, it would because- be heartbreaking. And you'd just be like, "Oh, Thrall just had to watch his dad, not dad, bite it." That would have been cool. At least you wanted there might have been some emotion because I was talking about this with Alex, I think on Twitter, and we were talking about emotional resonance. And I think for a lot of players, they can't get past the fact that this isn't the Draenor we know, and these aren't the characters we know. There's just the, the disconnect is too hard for them to make. There's an, a lack of empathy with these characters because in the words Alex actually used in our conversation, I know we have a spare. Yeah. Um, so when Velen dies, for me, Velen dying was a huge moment. And I think for a lot of people watching the movie, when you watch the cinematic, it's a big moment. But it's weird. For a lot of people, it's not enough of a moment because they know there's another Velen. There's that little there. voice in the back of your head going, okay, well, this one's gone, but it's all right because we've got this other one in our because, back pocket. I mean, when you're look, trying to look at like the overarching plot here, this is a time travel story. How long will it matter? Are we just going to go home? Does this have a long-term impact on the story? If we're just going home, everything's going back to normal. Valen's back. We're never going to see the ramifications of the dead Valen. Who cares? Why are yeah. we here? <laughs> yeah, the, o- the only way for this to really... And this is something I don't know that they'd have the, the interest in doing. The only way for this to really end up mattering for, the, for players who have that viewpoint, which I am not one of, but for players who have that viewpoint, the only way for this to matter would be at the end of it, like imagine like there's a portal opens or whatever, we go back, and Azeroth has been utterly changed. Because but by their own rules, by their own rules, the only way for this to work would be for them to have been lying to us, right? And for them to say, you know, we get back to Azeroth and it's been utterly changed. And I don't think, let's, well, I don't think that's going to happen because that would be a revamp that would make the Cataclysm revamp look, look tiny like small in comparison. Potatoes. Yeah, so I, I don't expect that. But, but imagine, if you will, like people are not going to really get attached to a story where they feel like a. I don't have a stake in it because nothing I do is really mattering. It doesn't feel like when Kargath shows up in the first fight of the first raid and goes down, boom. Like a chump? Yeah. I I mean, it wasn't even a good fight. I mean, he just kind of... Here's what I want to know, right? Okay, so the almighty Tarok couldn't bring down Kargath, but we could beat him up in an arena. (laughs) Like... Look yeah, it's, it's just like there's a lot of stuff like that, like Kargath's death, the the fact that you don't get to see Cho'Gall's ultimate fate unless you're on Mythic, um, the fact that there's like, you know, by the time you know we get through Blackrock Foundry, we have effectively beaten the Iron Horde. Yeah. Like, they're done, and the, and the garrison campaign only reinforces this. I know that's to set the stage for Gul'dan coming in and pulling a switcheroo, and I've, I've mentioned before that there's a kind of interesting symmetry to that, but he, because it, in, our, in our timeline, Gul'dan got the switcheroo done to him, 
and in this timeline, Goldon's the one who does the switcheroo. So it's like mirrored. This expansion, this entire expansion, is like a reflection of of old Warcraft. It's like an exact inversion. Like every, like you can go note for note, point for point. This is where this is exactly backwards, and that's happened multiple times. Did we? But need it, it doesn't. And I don't know if we needed it, but more to the point, it doesn't feel like anything happened. Because yeah. you know, one of my problems with all this is all of the stories that I do like on Draenor. I kind of realize. They could have told those stories in our timeline and not had this wacky stuff, and we would have known clearly this story matters. But it's on alternate drainer, so it's like, okay, if it's just going to go away, then none of it matters. Like, Yorel, why did Yorel have to be an alternate universe timeline drainer? Like, that's a story they could have told with our exiles, and we would know Yorel is going to be there, she's part of our world, she's in our story now, and not this world might close in the next expansion and we'll never see them again. See, I don't, I don't agree necessarily that they could have told the story without it being, you know, the, the time travel thing. But here's what I do think: without the immediacy of our actions making these differences, and it doesn't feel like they do. It feels, I think, Anne's dead on on that one. It feels like we're basically watching as people play out their grudges and so forth. Say what you want about Cataclysm. As much as it was annoying to constantly have to shepherd around the aspects in Thrall. At least we got to hit Deathwing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I spent a lot of time punching that guy in the face. A lot of time. I, I spent an enormous Jumping amount of on time. platforms, yeah. trying things off his back. That was pretty cool. I had to run around that guy's back, thunderclapping, and just, you know, generally keeping oozes off of people like a, like a maniac cow. I, I literally like that a lunatic cow. That first kill, that first yeah. kill was just amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I... I feel like they've almost gotten too slick. Like there was a lot, like Alex has talked about like a lot of the stuff that wasn't iron horde has felt really great. There've been some iron horde moments that felt really great, but even they had weird moments to them. Like I actually really liked Tanan, you know, quite a bit, not Tanan. Oh my God. Uh, Talador. I liked Talador quite a bit, but there's that weird moment of like, and here's, you know, here's Orgrim Doomhammer. Like, Let's introduce Orgrim and then get rid of him immediately yeah. without even giving yeah. him any moment of context whatsoever. You you got the barest amount of context if you were Horde. If you were you Alliance... You could have named him anything else and he would have mattered just as much. For the Alliance, he shows up twice and in those two scenes he has completely different personalities. Yeah, He shows up three times for Horde. Three times. That's it. Yeah. It, there's the slightest bit more context of your horde. It's not much and it's not enough, but it's like, then you go from like there, I went from Talador to Spires and the experience of going like, here is my path. I, I started in Shadow Moon Valley on Alliance side. So you go from Shadow Moon Valley. I tried to go up to Gorgrond, but Gorgrond was bugged at the time. Like you hit a certain point and you couldn't go any further. So I had to go to Talador. So it was basically, um, Shadow Moon Valley to Talador, Talador to Spires and it's like Talador strikes you as this really weird anomaly because the most interesting antagonist in Talador for me as an alliance character was the Shadow Council. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the Shadow Council stuff. It's, it's like, why couldn't we just have had the Shadow Council as the bad guys? You know what I'm saying? Like, and why- in that Shadow Council stuff, seeing the Draenei and the Blood Elves fighting side by side was really cool. Yeah. But that wasn't that really was a story me. beat. They're yeah. just 
blood elf NPCs that are there. And I guess the Horde probably interacts with them. Yeah, but the you Horde talk probably to the, doesn't interact with the Draenei. Not yeah. so much, no. And that's the thing is like Alex was talking before about how that could have that I don't think the URL story could have been done on our world, but that Shadow Council thing absolutely could have been. Hell, heck, the, they've actually, you know, Kill Jaden has threatened to invade our world before. You could absolutely, if you wanted to hearken back to the Burning Crusade, that's ready made for you. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's this weird sort of disconnect. And it feels like this expansion doesn't know if it wants to be a continuation of the end of Mists of Pandaria. Does it want to harken back to Burning Crusade? Does it want to harken back to Warcraft and Warcraft 2? It That's... doesn't want to be a continuation of Mr. Pandaria. The only continuation, as far as Mr. Pandaria was concerned, was the fact that Garrosh was the one that instigated all of this, and then we snuffed him out in, like during the leveling experience. And Rathion and that... was somehow involved. In... Oh, yeah, but he hasn't, he hasn't shown up anywhere. We're obviously ignoring every lesson we supposedly learned in Pandaria, because hello, Ashran. Yeah, but the thing is, like, is that, you know, the, <laughs> as much as you can talk about that, the Iron Horde is a direct continuation of Siege of Orgrimmar. Kind of, yeah. The, no, they thematically, in terms of how they look, in terms of how they act, the weapons they use. And that's totally not what we needed. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, seriously, like when I said before, it's like, if you go and you just, if you look at Siege of Orgrimmar as an end expansion raid, it does something that you never I've never seen an end of expansion raid do before. Instead of it ending the expansion, it sort of sets up the next one. Shingara like, think- in the chat channel rightfully pointed out that we didn't even snuff out Garrosh, that was Thrall. Well, I that got to punch so him a few case. times. <laughs> At yeah. least I got to punch him a little bit. But yeah, I, you're right. I found yeah, I found the the, the Thrall Garrosh fight. I've thought about it a lot since I played through it. When I played through it, I was objectively furious. I was so, so angry because he was nowhere to be seen. Like it was me, Urel, and I forget who that that hunter guy is, but he, you know, he was there too. And then suddenly, Thrall literally shows up out of nowhere. I'm sitting there going, you know, I'm doing okay in this fight, man. He ain't beating me. I got him down to half health. I think I can take him. Then yeah, he shows up like the whole alliance forces like the Draenei are sieging this whole place to get to Garrosh and you fight up there and you work your way there. It's you and Urel and you fight him and then Thrall. Yeah. From nowhere. And I get why they wanted to have Thrall and Garrosh fight in terms of like, they wanted that full circle. Yeah. And it, I honestly came off poorly. (laughs) When you do it horde side, it makes a lot more sense. Like it, it, you understand yeah. why it's there, yeah. and I feel like this is a case where I feel like they should have gone ahead and made another cinematic, and gone ahead and had Urel beat him up. Just have Urel beat him up, or if you don't want to have Urel beat him up, um, you know, don't kill Murad so fast and have Murad beat him up. Just have somebody I know why he's there beat him up, or heck, have Thrall show up and help us get up there. That, if that Thrall been... had joined us at the beginning of the assault instead of like teleporting in for a cinematic, that would have been an improvement at least. Yeah, yeah I still wouldn't have been thrilled to see him because you now, know. Keep in I've mind seen... that Thrall wasn't actually there for Horde players. You assault, you assault oh, I know. with who is it? It's like Agra and Duratan. Dra- I, I think Draka isn't Draka with you. No, Agra. Oh, that's really bizarre. Agra, because Dra- Agra, Agra, like right before you go in to fight 
Garrosh, Agra tells Duratan, she's like, Thrall thinks of you like a father. <laughs> like She gets as close as she can to telling him, yeah, Thrall's your son without actually telling him. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually something that happens there, but yeah. But, you know, at least, you know, it makes sense because he's Thrall. He can show up when, like, the Horde, like, when it's Horde forces, you know, Thrall's, you know, he's like Batman. He can swoop down. But just having him show up at the end for the Alliance just didn't make a lot of sense. And if, if he'd been there, at least it wouldn't have seemed so weird. And that would have explained why he wasn't there with the Horde, because he was helping the Alliance for some strange reason. But I just, the thing, the thing that kind of, like... Again, I just I keep getting this sinking sensation that there was another story that they were going to give us and there was another story that they had prepped to go. And for some reason, they had to change that story. And when they did, we got this flat, lifeless thing because they didn't have the time to round it out or do what they wanted to do with it. So they just threw in all these cool names, expected us to go, ah, oh, look, it's all these cool names and come back in droves and then didn't give us any follow through. Which is why when this expansion launched, they got three million people back again because those three million people were like, holy cow, it's these guys. Let's see what they're up to. And then those three million people hit level 100 and said, oh, nothing much. And they left. <laughs> and maybe this one is just me because I get hung up on strange things. So this one is probably one of those strange things. But it feels like the raid zones we're going to are places nobody ever really asked to go. Yeah. Like there's these like you know these familiar iconic places on Draenor that everybody's like yeah I want to go there and all of those places that people are like I want to go there are the places we're not going and we're going to places like High Mall with brown rocks and Black Rock Foundry and places I wanted I don't to raid Shatrath. I wanted to raid Shatrath. I wanted to defend Shatrath is what I wanted to do. I wanted a yeah. raid where we didn't like go somewhere to do something. It was we're in Shatrath, they're going to get us and we need to hold them back and fight them Sh- off. Shatrath could have been what what um the original Hyjal raid failed to do. Yeah. It could have been the one where An you you hold raid, the line. Right? Yeah. yeah. That would have been the- awesome. Instead of it just being a whole bunch of numbers constantly flying up at you until the boss comes up, they could have actually done some interesting things with it and had the Iron... The, there, the Iron Horde would have worked wonderfully as, a, as an antagonist. Sure. But my biggest problem with the Iron Horde as an antagonist in Blackrock Foundry is they feel like idiots. Like, I'm going oh, to yeah. fight you on... I'm going to fight you on train tracks. Why? You're going to get hit by a train. Are you immune to trains? Don't get me wrong. I love Hans and Franz. I think they're hysterical and I love doing that fight. But again, there's that impression of, wow, you guys are really dumb. (laughs) I think this is the first expansion where I feel like they go, okay, we're going to raid X place. And I go, why? No other expansion. If I go on, why? I don't want to go there. Heimel, I was actually going to say this. Heimel, I'm interested in because I'm interested in the Gorian Empire and I wish I'd gotten more of it. So Highwall I was fine with, but Blackrock yeah. Foundry, Blackrock Foundry feels like such a sidetrack. Like, oh, we have to attack their weapons production capacity. Why? I'm literally well, in the, the, gar- in the garrison me. campaign. I'm already kicking their ass. Okay, but here's the part that gets me. Right, we go in, we defeat Blackrock Foundry, we do all this stuff. Part of the ship missions for Patch Six Point Two. Part of them say we need to intercept these weapons shipments from Blackrock Foundry. At which point, I kind of scratched my head and went. Didn't we just take that place down? Didn't we dismantle it? Didn't we, like, 
kill the heart of the forge? Wasn't that the whole point of us being there to begin with? So why are we sending ships to intercept weapons from a place that supposedly we destroyed? Did I we think leave like a whole bunch of... Too big, too. Well, yeah. Like, it's so, yeah it's it's, I mean, okay. All right. Like, most raid zones, you get, like, the most iconic dudes. Like, this guy does this thing. Okay, we're going to kill him. This guy does this thing. Backrock Foundry is like, okay, first you have to kill the guy who mines the ore. Then you have to kill the guy who carries the ore in the cart. Then you have to kill the guy who melts the ore. You have to kill the janitor and the managers and the middle managers. You're forgetting, you also have to kill the creature that is... uh, When we kill Orgorger, Orgorger is doing nothing to help them. No, no, he's, he's just there to eat them, things. Like eating their supplies. <laughs> we should leave him alone. We should just we have, leave him. We have no reason to kill him. Orgorger is a detriment to the Horde War. Like, why are we killing the thing? We that basically cleared out one of the rats in the basement of the Iron War. I like Cromog because the dungeon, the raid journal entry for Cromog is like, this is a giant Magnaron that is helping the orcs because we don't know. Yeah. Like that's it. Like we we don't know what this guy's doing, and neither do they. But uh, kill him. Cause... I do have <laughs> to say, I do have to say though, in Blackrock Foundry's favor, I thought the black hand fight was way fun. I liked it a lot, where you smash yeah. through the floor and you fall like systematically it's level. I thought that was like I had a good time doing that. You can't fight. get his hammer on LFR, therefore I hate black hand. <laughs> black hand's a good fight, and it, you know I'm not against it as a fight. My problem with Blackhand is being the boss when he is, is that when we kill Blackhand, we've been, at this point we whittled them down to like two warlords. Kill you know Rog what I mean? and Grom. Yeah, it's like we kill Nurzel in a five man. Ugh. Uh, we kill, um, you know, we, we kill, um, I, now I want to say Cadgar because you were saying the, his name as Cadgar for a while, so now Cargath. I can't say it. Yes, Cargath. We kill Cargath immediately, like in the raid, the first boss of the first raid. Then we kill Blackhand. At this point, we're like down, like you know, you don't, you can't count Gul'dan as a warlord. So we're like, we're seriously down, dudes. We're like stripped through these guys real fast. We got to kill Durotan because he was in that artwork for Warlords of Draenor. So clearly, he's a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> Durotan's like, yeah, oh, oh, Wait, I'm not a warlord. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Oh no. You killed my brother. That was good enough, right? Porganar. All right. I think we've pretty much talked to this. We're at the point now where we're just circling the wagons. Yeah. I think the general consensus is that, you know, Warlords worked really well up to level 100, and then it feels like it didn't work past 100. And I think the we all. The leveling have- experience is beautiful and amazing and the best that they've ever done. And then what comes after that just flatlined. I have some thoughts as to why that's partially that the garrison works really well as a leveling tool, but not so much as a level 100 content delivery system. I need to write up about the garrisons, too, because I have words to say about that, but that'll wait. <laughs> I also want to write something about garrisons, so maybe we should brainstorm at some point should, this week. We should just do like a, uh, yeah, something like that. That'd be great. Round t- a roundtable thing, but... A, a garrison right. retrospective or something, I don't know. I can feel Adam practically, you know, desperately trying to get us to be quiet, so... <laughs> that's pretty much the show. Again, if you have an email for us, uh, send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Um, we are more than happy to see it. We love your emails because they are the thing that allow us to talk for an hour, uh, as you just saw. Um, and, uh, Alex, you, you usually do something for the patreon now so i'd like to ask you to do sure it. um blizzard watch is primarily supported through uh community support and if you want to support us monetarily you can go to patreon.com slash blizzard watch 
your contributions pay for all of our content, our podcast, and everything. And if you are a patron, you can either send me questions for the podcast or post questions of the podcast or email them or whatever queue questions if you want to ask questions for the queue. You can do all that there. And we also try to give some behind-the-scenes looks of our business when we can. Um, that's specifically when we can, so don't expect them daily. But patreon.com slash watch. Thank you. All right, well, uh, thank you very much for listening to the show. Uh, Matt, I've been hosting, and with me have been Alex and Ann, since I didn't introduce us at the beginning of the show, because it was very important we talk about South Shore and Taron Mill, because it's only Absolutely. been like 10 years since that was current. So <laughs> thanks very much for having us, and thank you, and good night.